Welcome to the City Church Sermon Podcast. City Church is a new church located in the city of Frisco, Texas, just north of Dallas. Our hope and prayer is that the following message can serve as an encouragement and as a blessing and inspiration in your walk with Christ. If you have any questions about City Church and want more information about us or you want to visit during one of our Sunday celebrations, please visit us online at citychurchfrisco.org or email us at hello at citychurchfrisco.org. If you would like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at citychurchfrisco.org slash give. Thank you for listening. How many of you guys like to wait? No, no one's raising their hands. No one's shaking yet. Everyone's saying no. None of us like to wait. How many of you guys like going to the doctor and sitting in the waiting room? You go to the emergency, if you've ever been to Parkland, oh my goodness, it is, it is a nightmare at times having to wait. Um, we have, where I work, I work in a medical facility and we have a waiting room and there's several, we call them modalities that we do there, it's several different types of exams that we do and for each exam there's a different tech. And sometimes, sometimes this happens where uh, one of the modalities is scheduled, the other ones are walk-in, and there's people sitting there, and the walk-ins have been sitting there for a while because the other tech is unavailable, and then I'm the one that does the scheduled uh, modality, and, and uh, the scheduled person walks in, is there for about 10 minutes, fills out paperwork, gives it in, and then the person that's been waiting 30, 40 minutes for an exam that I don't do I walk out and I call the person that's only been sitting there for about 15 minutes. And, and as soon as I call that person's name and I know that other person's been sitting there, um, I already see them look at me. They look at the, waiting, at, the, at the front office staff. They look at me again. They look at the front office staff. And as that person that was scheduled really happy gets up and, you know, has a big smile on their face, not really because they're seeing the doctor, Right. But they walk up to me, and I say, how are you doing? And then I just see the other people get up and start walking to the front desk to ask a question. And I'm just trying to hurry up. Come on, come back here. Let's avoid all this confrontation that's about to happen. We do not like to wait. We do not like to be skipped over, neither. Amen? And today, we're starting a short sermon series, two weeks leading up to Easter, that we're calling The Waiting Room. The Waiting Room. Because from time to time, we all find ourselves in a very different kind of waiting room. And this holding pattern is unlike any other. It's not like going to the doctor. It's not like uh, waiting um, for some news from, a, 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 from somebody you're expecting news from, just waiting for that phone call or waiting for that email. No, we find ourselves in a waiting room where we're waiting for an answer from God. And we find ourselves in God's waiting room. And today's message, we're going to be speaking from the subject of a crisis of faith. Because from time to fi- time, we all find ourselves in different circumstances, in different situations in our lives. We find ourselves Whether it may be a season of transition, it's a life-altering event or tragedy. It could be a season where you're being 
tested. Or it may even be a season where you're where no one's asking you to do something and you feel like, like you're not being used. We find ourselves in different situations. And no matter what brought you to that situation or that circumstance in that moment and that you find yourself in God's waiting room, there is a promise in the Bible that, that is there. And it's in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And I think we've all heard this verse. We've all read this verse. And the Word of God says, And we know that in all things, everybody say all things. things. Say it again, all things. things. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, this verse is not telling you and me, uh, don't misunderstand this, okay? This verse is not telling us that, that God is promising us that our life, every single second of our life, is going to be awesome. It's going to be one moment after another that we can post on Facebook, on Twitter, and where everybody can see what an awesome life you live. This is not what the promise is. The promise is that no matter what situation you find yourself, good or bad, that God is working. And God is working it out. You may not see what good can come out of this transition. You may not see what good can come out of this tragedy that you just went through. You cannot see what good is coming from this changing of careers or life or or jobs. But God, you can be rest assured that God is doing something in your life. That is the promise. Not that we're going to have awesome moment after awesome moment after amazing moment. And now here I am really happy taking selfies all the time. No. There will be struggles in our lives. Good Things happen and bad things happen. We live in a broken world. We live in a world that we struggle. We live in a world that is full of sin. And things happen just like today. It rained and it rains on the good people and it rains on the bad people. It rains in everyone's lives. All things. So wrap your mind around that thought and that thought that God works in all Things It means that it doesn't matter where I think I should be in life at this moment. It doesn't matter what job I believe I should have or what career I should have had already. It doesn't matter what relationship trouble you're having. It means that God is working at that moment. All of it. All things. I have or I have not because God is working through me, and through that circumstances for our good. Because he loves us. God's waiting room is a tough place to be. It really is. Just like a, a, a doctor's waiting room, you're, you're sitting and you're waiting and you're just hoping that your name is called and you, you might be sick at the doctor's office and you're running a fever, you're coughing and you, they're asking you to wear that mask and you're kind of a, a little bit embarrassed about just sitting there and they, and they call, they come out and, and you're expecting to jump up. Okay, oh, it wasn't me again. 
Okay, that I, I was here. Everybody that was, everyone that was here when I got here is already gone. It must be my turn. And then, and then it's my turn, but yet they take like another 30, 40 minutes to call you. Have you ever had that experience? I have. And, and you're just waiting and you're miserable. You want them to call you so you can go into this room where even though it's not a comfortable room, but at least you're not in the waiting room anymore. You know that the process is starting. You know that they've taken your blood pressure. You know they've taken your temperature. You know now that the doctor's aware that you're sick. And we find ourselves ourselves in God's waiting room where we're just sitting and we're waiting and we're, we're expecting for God to answer any moment. And we're like that in the doctor's office. We're like, oh, did it come in the mail? Did I get that phone call? Where's that news from the doctor, the lab results? That interview I went to. And we just find ourselves waiting and waiting. And God's waiting room is a, it's a tough place to be. Because we come to church on Sunday and we, we sing about the glorious God that we have. And, and we sing about how great our God is and that we will pour out our lungs giving him our praise. And yet we go home and it seems like nothing is happening. See, church, the thing is that God sees further than you and I can see. God's vision for our lives goes beyond our present circumstance, goes beyond our present situation. He sees what I don't see. He carries me, even though I may not feel like I'm being carried. And we lose sight of the fact that God is walking with us. We've lived in a house now for about Ten years where we're at, where it has two two stories. Sometimes we'll get home right, and we we got stuff, and and one has to really go to the restroom, but they won't go inside the house until one of us goes along with them. And especially when we arrive at night, and they're holding, come on, daddy, come on, mom, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, and then there's another step that happens that when we get inside the house. There is a rule that they can't use the powder room and that they can't use our restroom. They have to go to their restroom, which is upstairs. And there's a couple of kids in our house that just will not go upstairs by themselves at night. Particularly when we just got home. And it's the comfort of just knowing that someone is walking along their side. The comfort of security of knowing that one of their parents is with them every step of the way. And church, we miss that in our lives at times. That God is walking with us every step of the way. In the waiting room, he's sitting there right next to us in our, in our anxiety, in our impatience. He is there with us. We need to know and we need to get to a point where we grow up just like our kids will grow up one day and they're not going to be scared anymore. But we need to grow up and know that, you know what, it doesn't matter where I'm at. It doesn't matter where I find myself. My God is with me. Amen. 
every step of the way. We need to understand this. That there's times that we're sitting in that waiting room and we're just waiting and we're just waiting. But God's waiting room is a necessity in our lives for spiritual growth. God's waiting room is a necessity for spiritual growth. We have to sit. We have to wait on the Lord. James chapter 1 verse 2 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. See, we take it the opposite way. God's saying that, you know what, when you find yourself in the waiting room and there's a situation, there's a trouble that's going on in your life, that should be a moment for joy. But normally we find ourselves in a moment of anxiety and impatience. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete needing nothing. We need these times of testing. We need these times in the waiting room in order for you and I to gain endurance in our spiritual walk, in our spiritual lives. It is unavoidable. It is. We have, uh, if you've ever trained for any event, and we have someone here training for a 50K, I think, and it's not easy. It's not. You have to run one mile. You have to run two miles, run five miles, and then after 10 miles, you got to run some more miles. But what's happening is that they're building up Endurance. For when they do start that race, that they can be sure to finish it. And uh, yeah, it'd be great if they could win the race. But I think the whole point many times is just, you know what? I just want to cross the finish line. It's not about that you started. It's not that you made it to the middle. It's that you finish. And for us to finish... We need endurance in our lives. And this is what begins to get built up in the God's waiting room. We begin to get endurance in our Christian walk. So the trick is not to avoid, not to avoid these moments of waiting in life, but to see how God is using that waiting time in our lives for our good. And instead of focusing on the negative, instead of focusing on the anxiety, instead of focusing on those things that you don't see happening, why don't we start focusing on, on those moments where we can look internally and say, Lord, what do I need to change in my life? Because there's no one else I can change around me. I can only affect myself. We start asking ourselves. We start examining ourselves. We start realizing who we are when we're waiting. Praise God. Don't we? When we, we, when you go to the restaurant and you place your order, you're sitting and you just see the waiter back and forth having a good time over there, talking to everybody, and you see a bunch of food on the counter. 
Don't you start realizing, okay, hey, well, I'm going to have to say something. And maybe, maybe you didn't think you were very bold, but at that moment, your boldness comes out. Like, hey, man, isn't, is that my food? I ordered like 40 minutes ago, 30 minutes ago. What's, and you start making decisions about the tip, whether or not you're ever going to come back to that restaurant. We start, we start examining things when we wait. Matthew chapter 8, there's, this is a, a very beautiful story. Matthew chapter 8 is an awesome chapter. We kind of see the picture of Jesus as an action hero. Amen. Because Jesus in chapter 8, he's healing people from leprosy. And then it says that, that he's calming the storms. And that he's casting out demons left and right. And he's healing people from all kinds of diseases. And you're like, wow, man, Jesus is awesome. Jesus is great. But in between all that, there's this little story in chapter 8, verse 5, where it says, it tells the story of a centurion, a Roman centurion, a Roman officer that comes to Jesus with a need, with a crisis, with a situation in his life. And the centurion asks him and tells him about this. And he says in verse 5, When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home, paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? I, I, no, I want to make a stop right there. I think it, this is, I'm going... I'm going to take a sidebar here. I think it's interesting that the centurion asks, tells him, doesn't ask him, he tells him something, and Jesus is like, okay, well, what do you want me to do? What's the question? What's the request? What's going on? And, and I want you to see this because I think sometimes when you and I pray, we're not very specific in our prayers. Jesus is like, well, shall I come and heal him? Do you just want me to write a letter to a doctor? What do you want me to do? Right? Guys, we, when you and I pray, we should be specific. If there's something that you need in your life, state it with your words. There is power in our words. Declare it over your life. If there's this career that you're chasing after and you want it to come to realization, claim it in Jesus' name. Don't just say, Lord, don't just pray generic prayers and say, Lord, uh, give me a good job with good money. No, be specific. Lord, in three years, I'm going to finish what I'm doing right now. And after three years, I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be a whatever it may be. And I'm going to be making $100,000 a year. Declare it with your lips. Be specific. Because then Jesus is going to be like, well, I'm, I don't understand what you want. I mean, I, I, Jesus knows all things, but he wants us to know what we want too. And then we're all upset because God doesn't answer our, our prayers. Well, maybe we need to learn how to pray and be specific. Amen? That's another theme for another day, but I thought that was kind of interesting. How Jesus just said, well, what, what, what do you want me to do? Shall I come and heal him? The next verse says, the centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve 
to have you come under my roof. But just say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Here's the thing, church. Up until this point, following Jesus was pretty easy. I mean, you saw him. He was there. You could see him. You could see his robes. You could see his facial features. You could see how tall he was. He, you could touch him. And then, like I said, he was an action hero there. He was healing people. He was casting out demons. Who would not want to follow someone like that? It was like the celebrity at that time. They were following him. And it was easy to follow him at that, at that time, at that moment. He was present, flesh and blood standing before them. They could easily put their faith in him. And see, the centurion comes before Jesus and says, you know what? I realize who you are. I understand the authority in you. And the centurion, the centurion correctly places his faith under the authority of Jesus. So why is this important? This is important because when we find ourselves in the waiting room, we need to learn to submit our faith to Jesus. Because many times the reason we feel anxious, the reason we feel like nothing's happening is because our faith is under our own authority. It's under our own. It's submitted under us only. But when you and I truly submit our faith under God, under Jesus, man, it can be storming. Just like it was too many church today was kind of rough for us. I don't know if it was raining too much over here because when we got over here it was gone. But... I was driving slow. I could feel the truck kind of skidding at times. We were driving slow. My wife would tell me, slow down. And I was like, I am going slow. And everybody's nerves were on point. We had uh, four kids in the back in the truck. They're all squished. We're all trying to get to church, right? And it can be storming outside. The truck can be swerving all over the place. But when our faith is squarely placed under the authority of Jesus... We can be whistling in the storm because we know that God's got it under control. It doesn't matter what's going on around you and me. See, but when we forget this and our faith is only placed in us and what I can do and what I can say and what I can accomplish, what I can achieve, what I can, I can work for, what I can do in my own strength, that's when you and I begin to have a crisis of faith. See, Jesus hears the centurion and says, that the centurion says, Lord, you don't need to come with me. You're a busy man. You got stuff to do. You got people to see, uh, places to go. You, you don't have to come because I know that there is authority in your word. And when you speak a word, the things that you speak will begin to happen. Things begin to move in the atmosphere. There are things that begin to shift in life because it's a word that you speak. He said, you don't need to come. 
Because just like I, when I speak and I give a command, I know that I, I am rest assured that when I say go, that soldier goes. When I say come, that soldier will come. And it's the same thing with you, Lord. And Jesus loved it. He took this moment to say, you know what? I've never seen a faith like this. What happened with Lazarus? Those, if there's a story in the Bible with Lazarus and Martha and Mary that Jesus got word that Lazarus was sick. But the Bible says that Jesus stayed where he was at at the same moment, at the same time uh, where he was at and didn't go towards where Lazarus was for another couple days. But by the time he got to where Lazarus was, Lazarus had already died. And the very first thing Martha tells him is that, Lord, if only you had been here, if only you had been present, my brother would not be dead. And I go back now to the same thing that I said. What if the word had come to God, to Jesus, and they said, Lord, my brother is dying, he's sick. Just say the word and he will be healed. You got to make specific prayers, specific requests. Maybe the story would have been different in the Bible. But we, we, we want Jesus there at that moment, at that time. And we have to understand that Jesus is always there. It's not about emotions, church. It's not about feeling the fuzzies all the time. It's not about feeling like you got to cry at this moment, at this second. It's about having faith that God is with you whether you feel it or not because his promises are firm, his promises are strong, and his promises never fail us. He is there. Wait on the Lord patiently. While you're waiting, pray specifically. Because if not, we're going to have a crisis in our hands. We're going to be like, Martha, Lord, if you had been here, I don't know why you waited so long. No, Martha, it's okay. Your, your, your brother will live again. Yes, I know, Lord, in the resurrection and all that, that doesn't matter right now. And we get upset with God. We go to the front desk and say, hey, hey, what's going on? I was here before that person. And then we see other people getting their blessings. We see all these other people getting all these things, wonderful things, posting all these beautiful things on Facebook. And we're like, hello, God. Remember me. I'm right here. And we think and we have a crisis. See, I've read this passage many times before, and it wasn't until recently when I felt like God was telling me, you know what, very important in your life. You can have authority over several things that I've given you, but your faith must be under my authority. That when, I, that when you pray, and you can pray consistently, you can pray day in and day out. That doesn't mean that you're lacking in faith. It means that, you know what, I'm coming before God and God, I'm serious about what I'm asking for and I need an answer. 
But that when you come before God, you give your prayer, you, you lay your request before his throne, and you go on and do the things that you need to do. You continue coming to church whether he answers you or not. You continue tithing whether or not you see things happening in your life. You continue working and reaching out to people whether you feel like God is listening or not because you know that God is present no matter what. I can claim that God has authority over all things in my life, but my actions can show something different. They can show something different. In earth-shattering moments, you lose a loved one, what happens? You lose your job, what happens? You get bad news from the doctor, what happens? You lose control of a situation you thought you had control of, what happens? Your relationship, your marriage begins to have issues and problems. What happens when you're in the waiting room? So what do we do, church? What do we do to keep from having crises in our lives? Crises of faith. We need to live our lives in a manner that is consistent with our belief that God is faithful. That's what happens when you and I take matters into our own hands. We're basically saying, God, I don't think you have it under control. I'm not sure if you're as faithful as your word says. I could be so wrapped up in present troubles that I forget to see the blessings that are right in front of me. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 27 says, Oh, Jacob, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? Hello, God. Remember me? Oh, Israel, how can you say God ignores your rights? Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting, ever, ever, the creator of all the earth. He never, ever, ever, ever grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. Isaiah's telling the people, hey, we've been through this before. Remember the Red Sea? How it parted in two and you were able to be freed from Egypt? Remember the Jordan River? How it parted? Remember the manna from heaven when you were hungry? Remember the water that's gushed out of the rock? Hello? We've been here before. We've gone through difficult situations. Church, you and I, we can come one by one up here. We can give testimonies of how God has freed us from addictions. We can give testimonies how God has given us so much more than what we've ever expected. We can give a testimony of how God healed us, healed our parents, healed our children. We can come up here and say how God has freed us from our sin. But yet a crisis happens in our lives and we forget the blessings that God has already given us. This is where Paul says that he prayed to God uh, not only once, but twice, three times, and said, Lord, remove this thorn from my flesh. 
It is bothering me. We don't know what that thorn was. Maybe it was somebody that was bothering him. Maybe it was an actual literal thorn. Maybe it was a sickness. We don't know what it was. But there was something in Paul's life that was bothering him. And he was in the waiting room and he kept asking God, Lord, remove this, remove this. And God tells uh, Paul, stop. My grace is sufficient for you. You don't need anything else. Just rest. Yeah, it's bothersome. Yeah, it's difficult at times. But I will see you through this also. And I will not leave you alone. God is the authority in our lives. We need to live our life like God is the authority in our lives. So when we read Matthew chapter 8 and we see how Jesus uh, is, is interacting with this centurion and, and this centurion is, is giving authority to Jesus over his life and says, I understand this whole authority thing, Jesus. I know that you're a, a, a person of authority and that when your word is spoken, things happen and you don't need to be present because you are all powerful. You are all knowing. You are ever present. And Jesus is amazed, wow, this is a Roman, this is a Gentile, this is not even an Israelite that has such great faith. And I believe what this is telling us is that you and I, we need to learn to just let God be God in our lives. We, we have to stop strategizing. I know that for some of us that's difficult. Some of us, we need to have plans in, in place. We need to be scheduled in our lives. We need to have structure in our lives. But there are some things that you and I can't control, and we just need to let God do it. We need to stop strategizing, and we need to stop worrying. Now, that's the second part. The first part, maybe we can stop making plans. We can stop uh, structuring our lives in a certain manner, driving ourselves tired and weary and not allowing God to do what he needs to do. But the worry part can be difficult. I, I lived in a household where my mom, she worried a lot. And I learned that at times. And there's certain things in my life where things happen and I, and I worry and then there's things that happen that uh, in our lives, and my wife worries, and I'm not too worried, but I'm worried, and then she's not too worried. And, and it's just a, a cycle in our lives that we worry about certain things in our lives. And Brother Angel read this verse earlier in Psalm 55, verse 22. The, the Word of God says, Give your burdens to the Lord, and He will take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip and fall. Just sit there, church. Wait. Wait on the Lord. I know it's hard. I know it feels like it's time is running out. I know it feels like I, I should be in a different season in my life. But give your burdens to God. When you and I come to this place, when you and I come Every Sunday here to church, when you and I gather in our, in our city groups, in our homes, those are those moments when you and I can come before God and we can cast our burdens before him. Let's not waste our time worrying. 
strategizing over things that you and I can't control. God's healing is in his hands. You can't heal no one. What's going to happen three weeks from now, you can't control. God knows all things. That five-year plan you have, that two-year plan you have, you know what, that's great. Make the plans that you can make, but don't worry and be anxious about it because at the end of the day, we don't even know if we'll be around in a year or two. We need to fling our burdens. We need to throw our burdens at God. We need to let it go. We have to let it go. And we have to see the blessings. I'm going to ask you to stand. We can gain instant perspective in our lives when we're sitting in the waiting room. When we remember just how God has already blessed us. A couple weeks ago, or three weeks now, when my daughter... Um, broke her kneecap. It was one, seemed like it was one thing after another. And I remember um, I was having this conversation with my wife and it just seemed like things were just burdening us, burdening, burdening us down. And just one thing after another, one thing after another. And it hurts even more because it's, it's one of our kids that are, they're suffering and they're hurting. And I went to go pick her up in, the, in a wheelchair and she was just sitting there, a little thing inside of this big old wheelchair and she's hurting in her face and she looks scared, she looks worried about what's going to happen. And I remember uh, us having this discussion and just talking about, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Why does this keep happening? And I remember that, I don't, that something came to, I heard something on the radio, we, we heard a story or something about someone's child that had passed away and you know that's an awful thing too but I told my wife you know what these things happen but we still have our daughter let's look at the blessings let's look at the good things that God is doing at this moment this is hard this is rough this is I hate to see my daughter hurting but at the end of the day we're still all five of us are still here God still has us in his hands let's not miss the blessings in our life because we're sitting in the waiting room worried, sick over things we can't control. Psalm 62, 1 says, My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from Him. Church, we need to learn to be able to say, even in this, you're still God. Even in this, it's feel, it doesn't feel very good. It's very painful. But God, you, you're still God. So at this moment, I'm going to ask you if, if you find yourself in the waiting room. You have found yourself in a moment where you feel like you've been praying before God, and, and, but yet the worry is still consuming you, and you feel overwhelmed by different situations in life. Let's come before God's throne today, and let's just cast our burdens upon him. Let's cast our worries before him. Can we take that step today?